Chapters 35 and 36 of The Torrents of Spring by Ivan Turgenev, translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. 35. The free and easy deportment of Madame Polozov would probably for the first moment have disconcerted Sanin, though he was not quite a novice and had knocked about the world a little, if he had not again seen in this very freedom and familiarity a good omen for his undertaking. We must humour this rich lady's caprices, he decided inwardly, and as unconstrainedly as she had questioned him, he answered, Yes, I am going to be married. To whom? To a foreigner? Yes. Did you get acquainted with her lately in Frankfurt? Yes. And what is she, may I know? Uh, certainly, she is a confectioner's daughter. Maria Nikolaevna opened her eyes wide and lifted her eyebrows. Why, this is delightful, she commented in a drawling voice. This is exquisite. I imagined that young men like you were not to be met with anywhere in these days. A confectioner's daughter. I see that surprises you, observed Sanin with some dignity. But in the first place, I have none of these prejudices. In the first place, it doesn't surprise me in the least, Maria Nikolaevna interrupted. I have no prejudices either. I am the daughter of a peasant myself. There! What can you say to that? What does surprise and delight me is to have come across a man who's not afraid to love. You do love her, I suppose. Yes. Is she very pretty? Sanin was slightly stung by this last question. However, there was no drawing back. You know, Maria Nikolaevna, he began, every man thinks the face of his beloved better than all others, but my betrothed is really beautiful. Really? In what style? Italian? Antique? Yes, she has very regular features. You have not got her portrait with you? No. At that time photography was not yet talked of. Daguerreotypes had hardly begun to be common. What's her name? Her name is Gemma. And yours? Dmitri. And your father's? Pavlovich. Do you know, Maria Nikolaevna said, still in the same drawling voice, I like you very much, Dmitri Pavlovich. You must be an excellent fellow. Give me your hand. Let us be friends. She pressed his hand tightly in her beautiful white strong fingers. Her hand was a little smaller than his hand, but much warmer and smoother and whiter and more full of life. Only do you know what strikes me? What? You won't be angry, no? You say she is betrothed to you, but was that... Was that quite necessary? Sanin frowned. I don't understand you, Maria Nikolaevna. Maria Nikolaevna gave a soft low laugh, and shaking her head, tossed back the hair that was falling on her cheeks. Decidedly, he's delightful, she commented half pensively, half carelessly. A perfect night. After that, there is no believing in the people who maintain that the race of idealists is extinct. Maria Nikolaevna talked Russian all the time, 
an astonishingly pure true moscow russian such as the people not the nobles speak you've been brought up at home i expect in a god-fearing old orthodox family she queried you're from what province tula oh so we're from the same part my father i dare say you know who my father was yes i know he was born in tula he was a tula man well well come let us get to business now that is how come to business what do you mean to say by that maria nikolaevna half closed her eyes why what did you come here for when she screwed up her eyes their expression became very kindly and a little bantering when she opened them wide into their clear almost cold brilliancy there came something ill-natured something menacing her eyes gained a peculiar beauty from her eyebrows which were thick and met in the centre and had the smoothness of sable fur don't you want me to buy your estate you want money for your nuptials don't you yes and do you want much i should be satisfied with a few thousand francs at first your husband knows my estate you can consult him i would take a very moderate price maria nikolaevna tossed her head from left to right in the first place she began in deliberate tones drumming with the tips of her fingers on the cuff of sanin's coat i'm not in the habit of consulting my husband except about matters of dress he's my right hand in that and in the second place why do you say that you will fix a low price i don't want to take advantage of your being very much in love at the moment and ready to make any sacrifices i won't accept sacrifices of any kind from you what instead of encouraging you come how is one to express it properly in your noble sentiments eh am i to fleece you that's not my way i can be hard on people on occasion only not in that way sanin was utterly unable to make out whether she was laughing at him or speaking seriously and only said to himself oh i can see one has to mind what one's about with you a man-servant came in with a russian samovar tea-things cream biscuit etc on a big tray he set all these good things on the table between sanin and madame polozov and retired she poured him out a cup of tea you don't object she queried as she put sugar in his cup with her fingers though sugar tongues were lying close by oh please from such a lovely hand he did not finish his phrase and almost choked over a sip of tea while she watched him attentively and brightly i spoke of a moderate price for my land he went on because as you are abroad just now i can hardly suppose you have a great deal of cash available and in fact i feel myself uh, that the sale the purchase of my land under such conditions is something exceptional and i ought to take that into consideration sanin got confused and lost the thread of what he was saying while maria nikolaevna softly leaned back in her easy chair folded her arms 
and watched him with the same attentive bright look. He was silent at last. Never mind, go on, go on, she said as it were coming to his aid. I'm listening to you, I like to hear you, go on talking. Sanin fell to describing his estate, how many acres it contained, and where it was situated, and what were its agricultural advantages, and what profit could be made from it. He even referred to the picturesque situation of the house, while Maria Nikolaevna still watched him, and watched more and more intently and radiantly, and her lips faintly stirred without smiling, she bit them. He felt awkward at last. He was silent a second time. Dmitri Pavlovich, began Maria Nikolaevna and sank into thought again. Dmitri Pavlovich, she repeated, do you know what? I am sure the purchase of your estate will be a very profitable transaction for me, and that we shall come to terms, but you must give me two days. Yes, two days' grace. You are able to endure today's separation from your betrothed, aren't you? Longer I won't keep you against your will, I give you my word of honour. But if you want five or six thousand francs at once, I am ready with great pleasure to let you have it as a loan, and then we'll settle later. Sanin got up. I must thank you, Maria Nikolaevna, for your kind-hearted and friendly readiness to do a service to a man almost unknown to you, but if that is your decided wish, then I prefer to await your decision about my estate. I will stay here two days. Yes, that is my wish, Dmitri Pavlovich. And will it be very hard for you? Very? Tell me. I love my betrothed, Maria Nikolaevna, and to be separated from her is hard for me. Ah, you're a heart of gold, Maria Nikolaevna commented with a sigh. I promise not to torment you too much. Are you going? It is late, observed Sanin. And you want to rest after your journey and your game of fools with my husband. Tell me, were you a great friend of Epolit Sidorovich, my husband? Uh, we were educated at the same school. And was he the same then? Uh, the same as what? inquired Sanin. Maria Nikolaevna burst out laughing, and laughed till she was red in the face. She put her handkerchief to her lips, rose from her chair, and swaying as though she were tired, went up to Sanin and held out her hand to him. He bowed over it, and went towards the door. "'Come early tomorrow, do you hear?' she called after him. He looked back as he went out of the room, and saw that she had again dropped into an easy chair, and flung both arms behind her head. The loose sleeves of her tea-gown fell open almost to her shoulders, and it was impossible not to admit that the pose of the arms, that the whole figure, was enchantingly beautiful. 36. Long after midnight the lamp was burning in Sanin's room, he sat down to the table and wrote to his Gemma. He told her everything. He described the Polozovs, husband and wife, but more than that, enlarged on his own feelings and ended by appointing a meeting with her in three days, with three marks of exclamation. Early in the morning he took his letter to the post and went for a walk in the garden of the Kurhaus 
where music was already being played. There were few people in it as yet. He stood before the arbor in which the orchestra was placed, listened to an adaptation of airs from Robert le Diable, and after drinking some coffee, turned into a solitary sidewalk, sat down on a bench, and fell into a reverie. The handle of a parasol gave him a rapid and rather vigorous thump on the shoulder. He started. Before him, in a light, grey-green barège dress, in a white tall hat and suede gloves, stood Maria Nikolaevna, fresh and rosy as a summer morning. Though the languor of sound unbroken sleep had not yet quite vanished from her movements and her eyes. "'Good morning,' she said. "'I sent after you today, but you'd already gone out.' I've only just drunk my second glass, they've making me drink the water here, you know, whatever for, there is no telling. Am I not healthy enough? And now I have to walk for a whole hour. Will you be my companion? And then we'll have some coffee. I've had some already, Sanin observed, getting up, but I shall be very glad to have a walk with you. Very well, give me your arm, then. Don't be afraid, your betrothed is not here, she won't see you. Sanin gave a constrained smile. He experienced a disagreeable sensation every time Maria Nikolaevna referred to Gemma. However, he made haste to bend towards her obediently. Maria Nikolaevna's arm slipped slowly and softly into his arm and glided over it and seemed to cling tight to it. Come uh, this way she said to him, putting up her open parasol over her shoulder. I'm quite at home in this park. I will take you to the best places. And do you know what? She very often made use of this expression. We won't talk just now about that sale. We'll have a thorough discussion of that after lunch. But you must tell me now about yourself, so that I may know whom I have to do with. And afterwards, if you like, I will tell you about myself. Do you agree? But, Maria Nikolaevna, what interest can there be for you? Stop, stop. You don't understand me. I don't want to flirt with you. Maria Nikolaevna shrugged her shoulders. He's got a betrothed like an antique statue. Is it likely I'm going to flirt with him? But you've something to sell, and I am the purchaser. I want to know what their goods are like. Well, of course, you must show what they are like. I don't only want to know what I am buying, but whom I am buying from. That was my father's rule. Come, begin. Come, if not from childhood, come now, have you been long abroad? And where have you been up till now? Only don't walk so fast, we're in no hurry. I came here from Italy, where I spent several months. Ah, you feel it seems a special attraction towards everything Italian. It's strange you didn't find your lady-love there. Are you fond of art, of pictures, or more of music? I'm fond of art. I like everything beautiful. And music? I like music, too. Well, I don't at all. I don't care for anything but Russian songs, and that in the country, and in the spring, with dancing, you know. Red shirts, wreaths of beads, the young grass in the meadows, the smell of smoke, delicious. But we weren't talking of me. Go on, tell me. 
Maria Nikolaevna walked on and kept looking at Sanin. She was tall, her face was almost on a level with his face. He began to talk, at first reluctantly, unskillfully, but afterwards he talked more freely, chattered away, in fact. Maria Nikolaevna was a very good listener, and moreover, she seemed herself so frank that she led others unconsciously on to frankness. She possessed that great gift of intimateness, le terrible don de la familiarité, to which Cardinal Retz refers. Sanin talked of his travels, of his life in Petersburg, of his youth. Had Maria Nikolaevna been a lady of fashion, with refined manners, he would never have opened out so, but she herself spoke of herself as a good fellow, who had no patience with ceremony of any sort. It was in those words that she characterized herself to Sanin, and at the same time this good fellow walked by his side with feline grace, slightly bending towards him and peeping into his face, and this good fellow walked in the form of a young feminine creature, full of the tormenting, fiery, soft and seductive charm, of which, for the undoing of us poor weak sinful men, only slave natures are possessed, and but few of them, and those never of pure slav blood, with no foreign alloy. Sanin's walk with Maria Nikolaevna, Sanin's talk with Maria Nikolaevna, lasted over an hour, and they did not stop once. They kept walking about the endless avenues of the park, now mounting a hill and admiring the view as they went, and now going down into the valley and getting hidden in the thick shadows, and all the while arm in arm. At times Sanin felt positively irritated. He had never walked so long with Gemma, his darling Gemma, but this lady had simply taken possession of him, and there was no escape. "'Aren't you tired?' he said to her more than once. "'I never get tired,' she answered. Now and then they met other people walking in the park. Almost all of them bowed, some respectfully, others even cringingly. To one of them, a very handsome, fashionably dressed dark man, she called from a distance with the best Parisian accent. Comte, vous savez, il ne faut pas venir me voir, ni aujourd'hui, ni demain. The man took off his hat, without speaking, and dropped a low bow. Who's that? asked Sanin with a bad habit of asking questions characteristic of all Russians. Oh, a Frenchman, there are lots of them here. He's dancing attendance on me, too. It's time for our coffee, though. Let's go home. You must be hungry by this time, I should say. My better half must have got his eye-peeps open by now. Better half? Eye-peeps? Sanin repeated to himself, and speaks French so well. What a strange creature. Maria Nikolaevna was not mistaken. When she went back into the hotel with Sanin, her better half, or dumpling, was already seated, the invariable fez on his head, before a table laid for breakfast. "'I've been waiting for you,' he cried, making a sour face. "'I was on the point of having coffee without you.' "'Never mind, never mind,' Maria Nikolaevna responded cheerfully. "'Are you angry?' 
that's good for you without that you'd turn into a mummy altogether here i've brought a visitor make haste and ring let us have coffee the best coffee in saxony cups on a snow-white cloth she threw off her hat and gloves and clapped her hands polozov looked at her from under his brows what makes you so skittish today maria nikolaevna he said in an undertone that's no business of yours ippolit sidoritch ring dmitri pavlovitch sit down and have some coffee for the second time ah how nice it is to give orders there is no pleasure on earth like it when they are obeyed grumbled her husband again just so when one's obeyed that's why i'm so happy especially with you isn't it so dumpling ah here's the coffee on the immense tray which the waiter brought in there lay also a playbill maria nikolaevna snatched it up at once a drama she pronounced with indignation a german drama no matter it's better than a german comedy order a box for me baignoir or no better the fremden loge she turned to the waiter do you hear the fremden loge it must be but if the fremden loge has already been taken by his excellency the director of the town seine excellence der herr stadtdirektor the waiter ventured to demur give his excellency ten thalers and let the box be mine do you hear the waiter bent his head humbly and mournfully dmitri pavlovitch you will go with me to the theatre the german actors are awful but you will go yes yes how obliging you are dumpling are you not coming you settle it polozov observed into the cup he had lifted to his lips do you know what you stay at home you always go to sleep at the theatre and you don't understand much german i'll tell you what you'd better do write an answer to the overseer you remember about our mill about the peasants grinding tell him that i won't have it and i won't and that's all about it there's occupation for you for the whole evening all right answered polozov well then that's first-rate you're a darling and now gentlemen as we have just been speaking of my overseer let's talk about our great business come directly the waiter has cleared the table you shall tell me all dmitri pavlovitch about your estate what price you will sell it for how much you want paid down in advance everything in fact at last thought sanin thank god you have told me something about it already you remember you described your garden delightfully but dumpling wasn't here let him hear he may pick a hole somewhere i'm delighted to think that i can help you to get married besides i promised you that i would go into your business after lunch and i always keep my promises isn't that the truth ippolit sidoritch polozov rubbed his face with his open hand the truth's the truth you don't deceive anyone never and i never will deceive anyone well dmitri pavlovitch expound the case as we express it in the senate End of chapters 35 and 36